Thank you very much for tuning in to this first sort of webinar slash podcast episode as a team. We've got a collective bunch of some really knowledgeable individuals who have come together to really share some of our experiences, our knowledge around, uh, I guess, the world of business and life in general. On the team, we have got Carlos, we have got myself, Peter, we've got Ken, Chris, James and Farah. And I'm sort of running through because I'll let them each individually introduce themselves. So the discussion focus for today will be a couple of interesting areas. One, we're going to talk about project management. So we're going to talk about how do you handle projects when things have changed in the landscape? How do you handle projects when clients decide to pause them on you and you've got to then sort of restructure things? Then we're going to talk about the interesting topic of should we or shouldn't we cut back on marketing spend? What an interesting topic. We've sort of been debating this back and forth internally, certainly ourselves and also with clients as well. And we've got our view and we'd like to present it to you and be interested to hear what uh, you think. And lastly, we're going to talk about digital transformation. It's a buzzword that everyone's talking about. And I think it's a really, really relevant topic that we need to be addressing and discussing now. And it is something that if you're not familiar with, you've got to tune in and listen hard and listen carefully because it is the future and it will help you not just ride through what we're going through now. It'll set a new direction for your business and set a new future for your business. Your competition is doing it. So you've got to do this as well. So before we kick start, I'd like to uh, pass the baton around to the team. Start with Carlos, general intro, and then we'll uh, get started. Hello, everyone. My name is Carlos. My main areas of expertise include, but are not limited to marketing, international business, and advertising, as well as public relationships. So hopefully you will get some knowledge that you can apply to your own business. And yeah, that's about me. Fantastic. Ken, I'll uh, pass it to you. Okay. Yes, my name is Ken Cramey. Um, a bit of a Yank accent here, but an Aussie citizen too. Um, and my past is I was a partner for PricewaterhouseCoopers and uh, over 30 years I've dealt with large projects both uh, in waterfall, uh, that is analysis, design, construction, etc. And for medium to small comp uh, 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 projects using Agile and Scrum. So I have certifications both in the waterfall techniques as a project management professional and a portfolio management professional, and also a couple of certifications as a scrum master. So that's, that's me. Fantastic. Chris. Uh, hi, my name's Chris. I, uh, I have a long history in uh, consulting and uh, over the last 30 years or so, I've also built a number of businesses on the back of the consulting to provide uh, additional downstream services to clients. I guess my specialty is um, first and foremost marketing, but more recently I've been very heavily involved with uh, change management, uh, particularly as it relates to staff, you know, your staff and, uh, and your people. And um, that's basically where I'm at at the moment. And that's um, uh, tending to be quite a big issue right, right now because of COVID. Definitely. Thanks, Chris. Thanks. And uh, James and Farah. Just your uh, mics. My name is Farah Machiwala. Um, I am a project manager by profession. Worked with uh, some companies such as Citibank and Accenture, primarily in the financial space. So managing projects, not just local teams, but also remote teams. And as an independent business owner, we've had the opportunity to work with teams across the globe. 
So we have to be very mindful of how to make sure that projects are delivered despite all the challenges that you might face. Um, so that is my passion. Um, I would say I, we've also been in the consulting uh, arena lately, mostly with small businesses, and uh, it's been an interesting transformation. Yeah. I'm James Usri. I'm from the States, and uh, my main thing is technology. Uh, we have uh, used our company uh, from a sales and marketing perspective, but we started out in uh, development, software development, web development. Um, so the last, I guess, five or six years has been for me all about DevOps, hosting systems, uh, and supporting from a technological background where I believe that businesses need to be looking at that because they don't generally do that. So uh, yeah, I'm the back end support guy for everybody. Mm, fantastic. Thanks, team. And uh, lastly, Peter Spinder, uh, my main specializations are uh, strategy and digital transformation, uh, particularly digital transformation encompassing all aspects of it. Um, my, I guess, uh, the focus that I'd like to have is to combine offline with the online and say to people that you don't just go online purely and forget about offline, but also you can't operate offline anymore in a pure modality. You've also got to be online. So it's helping clients transition, developing the right strategies and uh, transforming organizations digitally so that they're going, uh, growing forward and uh, creating the future. Um, so now, interestingly, talking about the future, we've got so many changes at the moment. This whole COVID has changed the entire landscape. And uh, I think you know, Ken and uh, Farah, both of you having come from a project management background, you would certainly have seen from experience how projects normally work from a fluidity point of view and normally work under normal circumstances. But we're in different times now and we're seeing uh, projects pausing, we're seeing project directions change because of uh, changes in requirements. So what I want to do is just pass the baton to you and would love to hear your thoughts on this and, and especially what advice have you got for businesses that are going through this change process where they've either got to pause projects or clients have paused projects or they've just got to address changes in the environment that affects uh, the projects. Right. Uh, Vera, can I start out a little bit? Is that all right? Yes. The... Um, what I'd like to do is use the uh, use your framework, Peter, in which you said now is the time for looking at re reflection, then strategizing and planning and actioning. And so, if we focus first on on re reflection, um, I think it, you also talked about reflection and challenging. You know, the the project uh, being stopped. So I think it is an opportune time to look at three different parameters or dimensions on that. One is the project's link to the business. Let, let's reflect on whether that value has changed. I'll talk a little bit more about that. Uh, reflect on the project uh, approach. And increasingly, there's, there's uh, some wonderful alternatives for people to consider, whether it's the, the waterfall or the agile and scrum types of approach. And uh, perhaps we can talk about that a little bit. And finally, re reflecting on the project conduct. conduct. Uh, you've had a project that has stopped, and so now is an opportune time to, to say, uh, to do some self-ratings on that. How good was the scope management? How good was the stakeholder and communication management? How good was the, the risk management? Uh, and how satisfied is, is the customer? 
So I think uh, now is a good time for the reflection and challenging as to what the project's link is to the business, the project approach, and the actual project conduct. Does that make sense? Yes, yes, definitely does. Um, absolutely, Ken. I completely agree with everything that you're saying. I think now is the time rather than to go into hibernation mode, it's important to take a step back and be very reflective and analytical. A lot of times um, as a consultant, you know, you have to sort of play it out with your client. The client may want to just sort of clamp up, become very restrictive because of the uncertainty at these times. So it's important to help them kind of look through and beyond what's happening right now and look at the long-term goals. There may be projects that have got to be put on hold uh, just because the justification doesn't line up with where the business needs to be after this period is over or even during. There are other projects that may need to get fast-tracked. Like Peter says, we've had these clients that were planning things six months down the road. They've got to get fast-tracked because the environment has changed. But really, you have to be very mindful of why you're doing a project. And that goes back to the justification, all the risks, because at this time, there are more risks to be mindful of and having mitigation plans. So completely agree with you there. Mm. Yes, I think well said. I, I think on that first element in terms of the projects linked to the business, uh, some companies do that and organizations do it with a real formal mechanism in terms of as part of their portfolio criteria. Uh, but typically, even if it's small one, uh, they, small companies, they, they do it in terms of oftentimes in terms of business value, effort and cost of the project and risk. And so some companies uh, I've seen being reluctant because they, they say, oh, that's too difficult to add the business value to it or realize what the benefits are. But even if, if one takes it in terms of evaluating uh, a project as, is it high value to, to the business, is it medium, or has it become low over time? Um, if one is able to quantify that in terms of the actual benefits, that's great, but you don't even need to go that far. You can just categorize it into the high, medium, low. Similarly, with the effort and cost, but one can evaluate it in terms of high, medium, and, and low. Uh, and sometimes it, it might startle us that maybe things have changed, but uh, when one does that reevaluation, uh, it, it can result in uh, a different prioritization within that portfolio. And finally, the, the thing that is oftentimes neglected or not paid as much attention to is the risk, which again can be uh, the the uh, financial risk, the technical risk, the uh, the customer changing risk, et cetera. So, uh, and we and it's probably worth a whole separate webinar just on risk and that risk mapping, in terms of the severity and and the uh, the likelihood. But again, one can keep it even simple in terms of high, medium, and low in, in terms of that project. So. Uh, and oftentimes a good first step is saying, let's take a pause and look at what is that link to the business? What is, is the importance to the business in terms of business value, effort and cost and risk? Okay, so what, what you're saying, Ken, basically is that um, rather than 
just sort of off the cuff saying, okay, no, 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 we're, we're, we don't know what's happening and this whole COVID thing, we're just going to pause. Um, rather than doing that, maybe the approach is almost like a matrix style analysis to say, okay, well, what are the risks? What are the components, high, medium, low, as you indicated? Could even use colors, you know, green, amber, red for high risk, and maybe use that to help ascertain the next move, whether it's a decision to continue or pause or go in a different direction. Does that sort of what, what you mean? Yes, and whether you you want to or it's timely to reshape the, the project. Uh, so if it was a project that was dealing, for example, one of my clients is an insurance company and was dealing with international students. And, uh, and that is a project that can or should be uh, perhaps put, put on hold. Uh, but there are other feeder-in projects that, that uh, could help lay the foundation that then is able to allow that to leapfrog later. So yes, so, so the first thing is saying, how does that stand as within the priorities of the overall portfolio? And should we, uh, what is its value, effort and risk associated? Farah, there's something that, uh, that just popped into my mind as Ken's uh, talking and he gave that example of, uh, of that student uh, project. We, we're going through a big project at the moment, the e-commerce uh, project. And what's been interesting is that uh, if you recall, there was a particular requirement that me personally was quite sort of uh, pushing for. And what ended up happening in that case is that you ended up uh, finding a different way of achieving what we wanted to achieve, but an absolute fraction of the price. And, and you've said, look, we're doing it this way. Uh, it'll work. And if we find that the value is there, then we can invest the money to build that function out properly. So um, what are your thoughts on that? Because it's interesting to see how sometimes there might be some lower hanging fruit type uh, solutions to a problem. It's a bit of a band-aid solution, but it's a way of testing without having to spend all that money and then getting the confidence. And then right, Peter. And it goes back to similar to what Ken mentioned, right? We have to evaluate the cost and value of what we're going to be developing and what we're going to be getting back. So there's definitely an ROI factor there. There are many ways to, you know, to do something and it could take you a long time to put in the perfect solution, but is that time now? Do we want to invest the time and the money now to get to the perfect solution or do we solve the immediate problem? It's going to be a stable solution and that's very key. We cannot just put in a Band-Aid and keep our fingers crossed and hope that the Band-Aid holds. It's very important to look at what things could go wrong, even in a short-term solution, because we want the value, but we don't want the headache. So it's very important to look at all the factors around it. Um, going back to risk mitigation, something that Ken brought up that I wanted to add to is especially around resources right now. Um, people on your project team or even in your customer base may not be as available to help you out on your project. So that's definitely a risk that you want to plan for and have mitigation for and a contingency for. Um, it's important that you have backup plans in place because the last thing that you want is you're hoping everything goes well. Um, the project gets derailed because you didn't plan for something as simple as resource availability. And that could be technical resources, that could be financial resources or even human resources. So that's something to keep in mind. 
And from the technical side, though, we have to think, you know, when you're planning out a project and you get your developer to give you an estimate of hours, he's going to give you an estimate of hours from his point of view, which is the development side. And whether or not he's actively, you know, uh, counting the testing hours, we don't know. But that's where the project manager needs to come in and say, okay, look, here are the possible risks that go on. Uh, contingency needs to be higher than what the developer has set. And we've seen so many times that developers think they can do things in two hours where it turns out to be six hours and obviously expand that out exponentially uh, with a larger project and uh, you have some trouble there. So we do, we do require that contingency and that buffer for risk. What's yeah, I think as a project manager, it's important to ask the right questions. Um, ask the right questions about even within a project, are these requirements really key right now? So even within the project, you could take a step back and reevaluate your priorities. The entire project may not need to be done at one go. You may want to break it up into parts. And Ken, I'll, I'll let you talk more about project management methodologies there because you've had experience with several different methodologies. But I think it's important to look at what's key right now, even on a project by project basis. Does everything need to happen all at once? Do we phase it? Um, but at the same time, don't skip steps because people get tempted even in, you know, a, a normal scenario to sort of shortcut certain things and that can really cost you in the long run. I've seen too many projects trying to rush through phases where a little bit more time for requirements gathering, for scope analysis, for just setting the expectations that, that those steps get missed. And then later down the line, there's a big deviation in understanding from the, in the stakeholders. And that's pretty common, in fact. Mm, now you, you've actually raised something really, really important at the moment in this current climate, which is that um, when the project needs to change direction, and it's almost like at the moment, there's a feeling among some of the clients, certainly we're working with it. Okay, it's got to be quick. It's got to be instant. We've got to go, 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 go. Um, but in fact, as you pointed out, and, you know, uh, James and Ken, you also alluded to this in terms of a risk point of view, the risk is so high if you rush too fast that you're going to make mistakes. So even when you need to move fast, you might be better off slowing down and going slow initially and then ramping up once you've got the confidence built in. And that's certainly something that I've learned from, from working from, with uh, James and Far on these uh, various projects and seeing how they operate. Uh, and that's, that's definitely critical. Um, Ken, what, uh, what advice would you give Ken to, you know, the, the standard sort of small to medium business who's not completing these large $10 million projects, but perhaps they're sort of working on the fifty dollars to $200,000 projects out there. It might be a transformation project. It might be, it, it could even be a human systems project, for example. What, what pieces of advice would you give them in these sort of times? Yeah, I guess, again, going back to you, to your reflection phase, uh, reflecting on the, the project approach um, is, is an important one. So as you mentioned, some of the big companies have big projects and they use them oftentimes a waterfall approach, just as like building a, a, a building. Mm. Uh, but many other uh, smaller organizations have been using Agile and, and Scrum and, and Again, the, uh, that probably deserves its own webinar, but, but Agile and Scrum basically is saying, let's deliver product and, uh, faster and get feedback from, from the customer, whether they, they like it, and let, let's break it up in, into, for example, two-week segments, and then uh, get the team working really well to, together. 
so that agile scrum type of model is, is a very interesting one and many companies are at all levels are finding a lot of, of success with it. Um, and some of them are using the, the terms of, of agile and scrum being like daily meetings, etc. Um, and it, it's a simple framework, but what it requires is really being being disciplined in terms of, of using it. So small companies sh could and should probably at this point in terms of their re reflection, again, do a self rating of them. How well is that project approach working? Or is it timely to be able to, to relook at that, uh, tighten up in terms of, of how the team is working? Do they understand their roles? Do they understand that oftentimes it's not emphasizing documentation, but instead uh, emphasizing the uh, bringing to the table on a daily and weekly basis, what are the results of their efforts? Uh, and so reevaluating their project approach and whether that uh, an agile scrum framework is appropriate or they need to do it uh, better mm -hmm. is probably a very timely sort of thing to, to do. It's, uh, the other thing I'd add in there, as you were talking, you mentioned uh, just a little bit about uh, the, the human side of things. And what's important to remember is that every project is managed by the human beings. And we all know that if we have the wrong people on the team, um, then that can make or break uh, you know, the actual project, the wrong people on the team can ruin the entire project. We can have the best plans in place, but they can cause problems. And that's where, you know, things like, and Chris, you often talk about the things like KSA analysis and, and looking at skills matrices and understanding who you've got on the team. And that's where that plays a critical role, because if you've got the wrong people managing the project, there's a high chance that it's just not going to work uh, as effectively. Yeah. And Sorry, Pete. That's right. It is. It's, it's quite intriguing to actually go into companies once you've done your KSAs and you do a little bit of stock standard behavioral science, um, you start to initially, you, you, you're astounded by what you find. But I think I mentioned this morning in the webinar that, that I often find, you know, a, a combination of left brain people managing right brain team managers it's never going to work. You know, you've got two distinct sorts of people. You've got four brain quadrants. And if you're trying to get somebody that's very, very detailed and left brain, that person is trying to manage creatives, for instance, uh, like, like putting an accountant in charge of, a, of an advertising agency. You know, the creative in an advertising agency is disastrous. So a lot of project projects come undone that way. And um, it's been my experience. I've worked with very, very, very large uh, corporates, global corporates, and it's been my experience that the processes that these people bring to bear, and Ken, you know, mentioned scrums, I call it, you know, work in progress, whatever you want to call it, those meetings processes that you put together to sort of enable your team and to engage your team are really critical. And I find them just completely missing in Australia almost. They're in the SME market, I, as part of process and change management, I try and get team leaders to run those scrums every single morning, five or 10 minutes, get the team engaged, make sure it's all happening. And, and there's a, it's a, it's a very simple, basic process, but it's missing. And without it, you don't, you just don't get a functioning team. You arrive at the mountaintop and look around and you're on, you're on your own up there is what happens. 
And and the other thing, when Ken was just then talking about risk, there is so much science available to us now. Um, you know, game theory is a new thing, and people go, "What is? What's a game theorist?" Well, a game theorist is effectively someone that thinks through projects as if they're chess games. You know, I mean, they're, they're largely used in in the sort of martial and politico environment where should I invest that stand? Sorry, should I, um, uh, should I send an army into, you know, to run a coup in that country? Should I do this? Should I do that? And theor- uh, game theorists sit down and, and manage these projects out and say, if you do that, this will happen. If you do this, that will happen. And managing teams effectively, the, the tools and things that, that Ken's talking about are all available to us. But it comes down to your point, Pete, is that if people aren't engaged that are running these projects, then you really are struggling. It's, it's all uphill from there. It's all about, for me, it's all about getting them engaged and, um, and then the, the, you know, the projects run forward. Mm. Yeah. So, so I, can, I can give one quick example of a, uh, a telecommunications company here in the Gold Coast. And, and a couple of months ago, I went in and did some initial interviews and uh, each of them, it was only a small uh, back office team of about 10 people, sales and marketing and, and developers, et cetera. And basically they were saying that they were, they felt like they were setting each other up for, for failure and for finger pointing when, when releasing a new product uh, to the market. And uh, through the, some of these uh, engagements in terms of with daily scrums and having everybody speak up and, and identify blockers of what was getting in their way of getting things done. Uh, it really got them, as, as you were saying, Chris, uh, engaged in working together. And uh, they came away with, with a, a feeling of, um, of support with, with each other. And very interestingly, the, the kind of the nerdy uh, uh, data business analyst that never said anything, he came out with some of the fantastic uh, contributions and, and suggestions. Um, and so by tapping into some of these other ways of teams, of project management teamwork, um, you can really realize some wonderful synergies and, and outcomes that you would never have anticipated before. So the engagement of, of the team and their, their participation in working together is, is key. Mm, fantastic. And look, I agree 100%. We've got quite a few projects on at the moment. And, you know, um, and, and this is something we'll talk about later, but when it comes to digital transformation, at the heart of all successful transformation projects is really team synergy. Because when we've got team synergy and people um, engaged and people are enabled to contribute, then we can have forward uh, momentum. Now, obviously, all of that needs to be supported with the right methodology, whether it's waterfall, agile, or a conjunction of the two. I mean, that's sort of, you know, I'm starting to see these uh, confluence of projects. Even in construction, we're starting to see uh, this movement away from pure waterfall with a little bit of this agile methodology coming in, which is quite interesting to see how that's, uh, how that's taking shape. Um, now, Farah, you and I, we've got a couple of projects at the moment we're working uh, quite closely on. And um, certainly uh, one of the things that I've noticed in terms of the way that you operate is you keep really clean and detailed documentation. Um, why do you do that and what's the benefit to keeping those documents and keeping the logs and keeping a record of what's, what's happening? 
Um, on any project, usually the, the ones that I've got experience with, they range from mid to large scale projects. It's really important to keep track of all the moving parts. And as the project manager, you're sort of like the ringmaster, the ringleader. You've got to have your things in order. Otherwise, you cannot give guidance where guidance is needed. Especially today, we've talked about risks and resources and people working remotely with social distancing. It's important to be able to communicate on any project for sure. But especially now where people may not be sitting in the same office, you don't have that, that in-person synergy. You've got to be able to communicate remotely. So having documents available where people can see the expectations, the goals, and be able to work towards a common goal to deliver the project successfully in the timeline within budget. Mm -hmm. So it's especially important to keep track of all the details so that everybody knows what they're responsible for. They're working towards the same requirements. They're working at the same pace. Um, and everything comes together in the end. Without having that, you're going to see people going off in different directions. Their understanding is different. We see remote teams not only from, you know, within a particular area, but across the globe. People are working with developers online that they've never worked with before. They're working with resources across the globe that may be on a different time zone. Information has got to be available in a way that it's understandable. And one thing that a project manager has to realize is every team member will digest the information in a different way. Some people are more visual than wordy, and we have to be able to sort of be inclusive. So make sure that people understand. So reiteration, um, you know, did you understand what I said? What did you understand of what I've given you? Where are your questions? So again, it comes down to maybe a little bit of over communication, at least initially to make sure that everybody's on the same page and then you can sort of adapt, adjust as needed. Mm. Well, that, that's uh, really good advice. And look, uh, some of the viewers or listeners, if we're, uh, once we've got this on the podcast, might be wondering why, why did I ask that particular question? Because now we're really getting down the path of it's more project management methodology. And the reason I'm, I asked that and wanted this answer is because of this. We've been in a number of situations over the years and the projects that we've worked in, and certainly I've seen, where, where we haven't done this uh, process, where we haven't followed the rigor, what ends up happening is we end up burning more money and more time and we get more frustrated and stressed. And this is a really, really important point because right now we have got clients coming to us potentially you know, looking at pausing projects. We have got clients asking whether they should, shouldn't, what should they do? And what I say is that, Yes, there is an answer of whether you should or shouldn't, but if you decide to do it, it is also really important that you do it the right way so that the project succeeds and the project saves you money, which is what we've got to do at the moment, rather than going this kerfuffle circle and you end up wasting money. So the, 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 you know, the, the poignant part of what Farah was saying is that take the time and invest it in the right methodology and the right focus exactly what kim was saying as well and you will get a better return now it's important to understand as a business owner that when you do this the initial cost might be a little bit more don't be scared of that because the initial costs are outweighed with the return on investment as a result of a cleaner clearer project where you don't have to be jumping up and down because of the craziness that's happening it's a more controlled process. And it's really important to understand. 
And the other the message that I have for business owners that are considering projects and, and looking at what to do is the simple fact that this COVID situation will go, things are going to come back into normality. If you had started a project right now or were thinking of starting a project, then in my mind, I'm, I'm already knowing that you would have the budget already put aside for that project. You certainly wouldn't start a project with the goal of somehow raising the money. Maybe some people do, but I certainly wouldn't advocate for that. So if you've already got the budget and if you go through the risk exercise that we spoke about that Ken just uh, mentioned that, that Farah was talking about as well, and you come out of it and you see, okay, there's actually a lot of greens here. And if you're willing to take on the right project management methodology, and it might be that you engage a project manager, then you know what I'll say to you? Do it. Don't stop the project because of some COVID thing may or may not impact something. If you've already got it, uh, got the money and you've put it, put the thought in place, and you've you can justify your reasonings logically. I personally don't see a reason why a project uh, shouldn't move forward. I mean, what what are your thoughts? I think uh, similarly that um, now is a time to to reflect. And re-look at, at your one of the key documents within a, a project is the project charter, and oftentimes that lays out who are the, the the real stakeholders, the mapping of what is their influence, and and also informs what types of communication strategies and plans you need to have uh, with those folks. So oftentimes it's not the, the technical issues that that stop projects; it's really the, the change in people issues and the stakeholders. The clearer you are with that stakeholder mapping of who's important, how often do they need to be communicated with? Is that on a weekly basis? Is that on a bi-weekly basis? Is it monthly, et cetera? Then that helps to provide a foundation of, of, of good success, whether you're pausing it now and then picking up, up later, or whether you're explaining uh, why this, this project uh, has been halted. Uh, and oftentimes, it, it, that communication of how it's been reshaped and, and redesigned is very, very important. Mm -hmm. I, I think if you've, done, uh, if you've done good risk analysis and you should be able to make a fairly good value judgment on what the landscape's going to look like at the other end uh, when the project reaches fruition, and that's, I think, really critical. Somebody's already said it, but it's a critical thing. I mean... You know, we're always, we're assuming here that, that the funding's in place and that the opportunity is there and that the only reason the project might have been halted or called question is because of COVID, um, which, will, which will go, it'll be gone. And um, provided that we have a full understanding of the landscape at the other end, then I, I agree with you, Peter. I see no, absolutely no other reason, you know, to cease projects of that nature. In fact, I see lots of reasons to push ahead with them. Oh, exactly, exactly. And I mean, that's why we're seeing some of our projects, you know, like James, we're working on uh, one particular project at the moment, which is, you know, taking a little bit of a different direction um, and things are being brought forward. And, and that's fantastic because the, the client will get a much better outcome much quicker. And the changes in terms of the COVID situation has actually forced the organisation to accept change quicker. Um, you know, and the acceptance of change is part of project management, part of transformation. You can't do it without, without that. That's part of um, business. Say that again, sorry? It's part of business. I mean, I don't understand how somebody can run a business and not expect change or, or accept it, you know? 
Right. It's, I think uh, that's really important because COVID, COVID is just the latest thing. Exactly. I think if you don't have a business continuity plan, then you're going to be facing this over and over again. You're, you're just not seeing the writing on the wall. I think it's really important to sort of take a step back and look at what should you be doing, not what you shouldn't be doing. What should you be doing to make, make sure that you're prepared for what's coming up, what's coming around the corner. And there may, may be projects that you decide that you want to take on, create the funding for. If you have the justification, get a project started to make sure that your business can continue, not just in the future, but what can you do right now to make sure you survive the storm? Mm, big time. But what's fascinating, though, out of all of this is as, as we're sort of having this discussion, I'm thinking to myself, James, you're 100% right, but, but the number of times, and Chris, you and I have worked on uh, several client engagements now where it, it, it just isn't there. It, it's the, sometimes it's the analogy of um, uh, I'll rent an office, I'll put up the open sign, and there's a lot more to it, isn't there? And so this is where what we're attempting to do with these sort of webinars and the communication pieces is to educate people to say, hey, listen, there's actually a little bit more to business than turning the, the close sign to open. Um, and it's really important to understand that as a business owner. And, and the whole thing around change is the, the sad reality is the number of business owners that I've spoken to over the years who engage me because they just want to do something different, you know, because things aren't working. And when you dig deep, the, the reality becomes quite clear that it's actually the person in front of the mirror that's causing the problem because they're putting the block up because the way they've been doing it for 15, 20, 10, 30 years is the way they want to continue doing it. When in fact things have changed and the acceptance hasn't been there from change point of view. And of course things don't work. Then. Yeah. Well, I've been banging away for near on 25 years about, to every single client I've ever had, don't assume this is your business because next year everything will be different. And I mean, Albert Einstein said a few fairly smart things, but one of the best things he ever said was, uh, well, it was a nothing happens until something moves. Mm. In other words, if nothing moves, nothing's going to change. And, and I just, I'm stunned. My, my whole business, you know, ethic really is to make sure a client's company is constantly for sale and is perfect in perfectly good saleable condition. I'm not concerned whether he wants to sell or she wants to sell. I just want to see that business functioning at its absolute best. That means assuming that next year is going to be a lot different than this year. An acceptance of change and changing landscapes and technology, that's, a, that's an extrapolating curve right now. And James just made a really interesting point that gets me into trouble in a lot of client meetings. I get angry. I go, what why do you think you can start a business and just leave it sit there without reviewing constantly and strategizing and getting into the process of understanding what's happening in the world around you? You know, those widgets, they're last year's widgets. Can we, can we consider what next year's widgets might look like and then five years beyond that? So, yeah, I get very, very upset and passionate about that. So, yeah. I think we'll do another webinar on that one at some point. Um, yeah. But look, I think uh, we've probably delved into this topic uh, deep enough without you know, getting overtly technical with project management. Just a, a final thing I'd like if, um, if uh, Ken and Farah said, Ken, if you can just give us your final sort of minutes thoughts on, on yeah. this topic. Um, yeah, would, would yeah. love to hear. Yeah, my, my takeaways for, from this for, for the audience is, uh, now is the time to take an opportunity to reflect on the, the projects 
business value on the project approach, and you have choices there between Waterfall and, and Agile Scrum and others, uh, and the, the project conduct. Are you pleased and are your customers pleased uh, with what they've seen uh, of that, that project? And so uh, the other takeaway is that stakeholder management is, is key, and especially with uh, the project sponsor and people that, that you're working with. Uh, so with that, uh, there's oftentimes an opportunity not to, to pause a, a project, but, but to remold it and to get a more motivated team out of it. Fantastic. And what about yourself, Farah? Last takeaway messages. Um, just to add to what Ken said, I think communication is key on any project, especially now with people working remotely. Make sure that your team stays motivated. Make sure they have the support they need to be able to work towards the goals of the project. Um, you know, from a technical perspective, from the, the licensing, the tools that they need to be able to do this, have meetings as you need to manage your risk. Um, sometimes all you need to do is bounce ideas off the person closest to you. And if you don't have somebody that can do that, talk to someone that could be, you know, a good fit as a project manager. And if you don't have that and you have the budget, get a project manager to help you because to, to make a successful project, you need the right team. And without the right team, you're just going to land up burning your time and money. Well said, Farah. To the listeners on our podcast, to the viewers of the video, thank you very much for taking part in this general discussion around project management. Now, before you go, I just want to say that if you've got any questions, comment or feedback, please reach out to us. Contact us at malexo.com.au. Check out the website. Contact details are on the website. Any questions, let us know. Now, last thing that I want to say is that we've got additional podcasts and videos coming out. The discussion that we had today was, in fact, uh, consistent of three different components. So we've spoken about project management. The other videos talk through around the topics of marketing and also digital transformation. Don't forget to check out those podcasts and those videos as well. Thank you so much today for taking part and please enjoy the rest of your day. Bye.